Why don't you pick on somebody your own disposition? Oh, please, Mr. Barroom Brawler. Don't hurt me or anything like that. Did you say a polar bear heater? No, you said it. I said an Alaskan polar bear heater. I never heard of that. Until now. Until now. All right, pay attention. Two shots of vodka. Two shots of vodka. A little rum. A little rum. Some bitters. And a smidgen of vinegar. A smidgen of... Are you going to drink this here or are you going to take it home and rub it on your chest? Hey, that was terrific. Hey, did you hear that, folks? A regular George Barnard Shaw. Good boy. And he did it all by himself. You did it all by yourself and nobody helped you. That's terrific. And with your very own big mouth. Now, if you don't want this cocktail shaker to become a part of your gums, mix the drink, shut your mouth, and pay attention. Is that clear? Repeat after me. I'll... I'll... I'll pay. I'll pay. I'll pay attention. I'll pay attention. All right, let's continue. A shot of vermouth. A shot of vermouth. A shot of gin. A little gin. A little brandy. A little brandy. Lemon peel. A lemon peel. Orange peel. Some orange peel. Cherry. Some more scotch. Some more scotch. Now mix it nice, then pour it into a tall glass. Just got a podcast coming at you using a different tune lately, uh, trying to mix things up ever since the, uh, you know, the incident. But here we are uh, back again uh, doing a podcast on, uh, we did the last one we did was on Sunday. This is the Wednesday right after because I am podcast ready because I missed the two weeks. So I'm ready to go. I hope you're ready to go. I'm excited about doing the podcast. I've been talking nonstop since having coffee about an hour ago. And my special guest is back from the anti-Semitic country of Germany. Yes. Memo Salazar, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Memo, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I, I'm glad you picked that song. Really? Yeah. Why? It's well, A, it's great. You know, Stuart Colton's actually in New York today. Why? He's uh, promoting his new band. Wait, he has a new band? Yeah, he's got what a new a band loser. with Adrian Ballou. It's oh, God, that's your like favorite musician yeah. of all time. I know, and they're right? together. <laughs> Gizmodrome. Gizmodrome. And they're like all over he's the performing radio. performing with the... Uh, the, the Thing from Gremlins, Gizmo. It's a robot. Yeah. Um, How you doing? <laughs> how was Germany? You. Fucking Germany was amazing. Berlin was amazing. Oh uh, well, how great is that for you? <laughs> you know, while you were over there, all of them came over here and they marched <laughs> in a parade. You know what's ironic is I think Berlin is probably the safest place for Jews in the entire world right now. Like, if you needed to go somewhere. That's your spot. What makes you think that? Because they feel guilty? Yeah. Makes sense. No, I mean, everybody, there's so many remembrances of, of the Holocaust, like really? in, a, in like a really, yeah, no, it's, it's very, they're very, anyway, I think you'd do well there. They'd well, how like was you. it though? Was it fun? I mean. No, it's amazing. Berlin's like the East Village in the 90s with less people and more space and yeah, everything cheaper. Sounds, that's a great way to put it. It's that's amazing. It's so freaking amazing. You I took your whole family it. there. Yeah, we were riding our bikes. Beren was in the in the on the street riding her bike. 
like with traffic passing and it was totally fine. Really? Yeah, because everybody's really nice and safe and like it's an amazing city. And they don't have a problem with Mexicans either. Or no, they're like very. That? You know, it's weird. Because um, they used to hate everybody. You know, I mean, I know. That wasn't uh, I mean, white, maybe right? outside of Berlin, it's different. But like everybody's so cool and chill there. Like you only went to Berlin, or you went to a couple different places? Uh, we went out to the countryside for a little while for a couple of days, but we were mostly in the city. It's such a great. I mean, you don't want to leave. It's so cool. But that was your plan to only go to Berlin. How did you even come up with that plan? Were you doing? My something? cousin married a German guy, so I went. To, we went to visit her. Cousin married them. a German guy. She's Mexican. He's German. Oh, you figure is, it out. Is this your cousin that like lives in Mexico City? She used to live in Mexico City. The, like ones you've gone to visit before. Yeah, I haven't seen her in a while though, because she's like always traveling. Had she traveling. meet this Nazi? I mean, this German guy. <laughs> he was hiding in Mexico. You know, after of the he was, World right. War II, they had to hide somewhere. It's amazing. Those guys live very long lives. You know, it's funny <laughs> when you see those guys. Protest? Did you see all that when you were a little bit? Yeah, I kind of saw it. It makes Facebook. you nervous, like when you're away in the country. Like, Everything oh my god, changes, uh, yeah. I shouldn't go back. I shouldn't go back. Well, it, before that was the whole like World War Three with Korea thing. So right, I was right. like, what the hell's going on? Maybe I'll just stay. Bad here. time to travel, right? But uh, you know, time. it's funny when you see those white supremacists marching the Nazis. You know, obviously there's no good Nazis, but at least they were well-groomed and physically fit and they had a purpose and you know they felt like they were patriots these guys are a mess right. uh, as, as, as michael rapaport put it in his emergency podcast i heard in the howard Stern show they're all losers that can't get dates and that's why they're marching on a friday night right. and uh right. you know it, it makes a lot of sense it's all very just like women suck and that's why we're doing this right and, and i get it right but you got to relax and just you know Pray in the next lifetime things work out better for us, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's not yeah. going to help them get laid. That's for sure. No, and they're they're fat and ugly and gross, and uh, the actual Nazis weren't like that at all. No, you know what? Which is why they actually <laughs> lived long, long lives in a very happy community of Argentina, right? Because they were completely physically fit, right? And you know, in good, great shape. I, I have to say, and you may have made a comment like this before, but it, I just thought of it when I was there. I'm walking around and like, you know, I'm short, I'm Mexican. Everybody is towering over me. All the women are like super tall, beautiful, blonde. Yeah, and after a while, you're like, huh, this master race thing starts to make sense. Like, you're kind of like, oh, I kind of get it now. Like, from their point of view, right? They're like these these like supermen and superwomen walking around. I mean, everybody was tall and attractive and blonde. So it was kind of weird. You know, I, I went to that last year. I went to that woman's, uh, the Filipino woman's 65th birthday. Yes. And I was the tallest one. They must think <laughs> I was kind of a Nazi. Right. Because they're like, God, he's tall. If he was handsome, he would really be the whole package. <laughs> or if he had hair. But they didn't know because they can't see. They're all shorter than me. It was a dream come true that day. Right. I was the tallest one there. So you felt like a The German. only white person. It was all Filipinos and Joe Messina, who I think <laughs> is shorter than me, but I'm not positive. Right. But right. he's Italian, so. I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, that was, um, that was, I don't know, like seeing all these tall blonde people was very interesting. They're all nice. No one was a jerk. Yeah, I know. I've often thought of going to Sweden. <laughs> I mean, if you can't get laid in Sweden, right. they, they, you know, when Lawrence Lerman, who might be the ugliest Jew we've ever seen, but the, you know, a sweet guy, um, when he went to Sweden, you, you know, remember, he came back with the hottest girl I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> right. who, when they broke up, he goes, dude, just don't, you know, sleep with Ava, okay? And I'm like, no, 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 that is not on the table. If I get the opportunity to sleep with her, I'm going to do it. You can't right. say that. to See, she's way too hot. Right. If she comes on to me, I'm going to do it. 
Right. You know, screw our friendship. You know, no, no, this, you cannot say that. And did, he seemed to understand. So it was like he wasn't like a, did he got Ava, it. Did Ava come on to you? Well, we hung out one day without him, like after they broke up. And, right. you know, I would have gone for it. I mean, I tried, I had her over here and I would have made the move. That, I didn't make the move, but I would have because I'm still in touch with her on Facebook because I'm still hoping it's going to happen. <laughs> That's how hot she is that it's, you know, 20 years later and I still want her. I understand. But if you, Sweden, it's all full of girls like that. It's like Quentin Tarantino goes there all the time, uh, because like you can really w- walk into a McDonald's and meet the hottest girl you've ever seen there, and they'll come they're back all to really the US pretty. Probably, but everybody wants to come back to the U.S. I mean, that's what happens in the Philippines all the time and stuff. I think everybody wants to come to the U.S. They all want a visa. They all want a, right. a way in. I don't know. I guess there's not a lot of jobs out there, so I think they actually do want to come to the U.S. But that's what, what I was talking about. I was just talking about you know having a good time, and, right? You know, whatever. I mean, now I guess I'm a little older, but I don't think they care about age. And, I, and, and at that time, what I was saying with Lawrence Lerman going over there in 1994, they had rarely seen a Jew. You know, <laughs> right. now there's Seinfeld and stuff. But before that, they, they were fascinated. In fact, that girl said to him, oh, I, I, or maybe she didn't say it, but somebody else said, where are your horns? Because they were actually, I understood what they said. And I, I was like, that sounds ridiculous. Why would they think we had horns? But I think they were thinking we had little nubs on our head. <laughs> that, like Pan? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> right. like the devil mostly. But yes. Right. Like Pan from Pan's Labyrinth, the greatest <laughs> movie ever made by a Mexican director. Um, what's that guy's name? Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. And what was what else? He, he didn't do Gravity, right? That wasn't him. No, that was no, that. Alexandra Alexandra. No, that was um, uh, Cuaron, Al- Alfonso Cuaron. That's what I meant. He's that idiot that did Birdman, right? No, that's the other guy, Inarito. What is happening? If There's you can't become a famous director, then you stink. There's a lot of Now's Mexicans. your time. I know. I really now should is be your doing. time. I know. That was your plan. Those what guys happened? Aren't you have a me. baby. I know. It kind of derailed everything. Yeah. Yeah, those guys aren't helping you out. What Not about Robert all. Rodriguez? Um, well, he's technically like Tex Mex. Does that count? He's like, you know, Counts for me. American. I think he's awesome, and I love the fact that he just shoots in his apartment. I love it, too. I think he's shoots great. Shoots in his apartment with a green screen. He's made, like, it's ten true. movies like that, and they've all been successful. It's true. He doesn't have to put on any clothes. He can just direct from his underwear. Fascinating. Fascin- that is the way to... You know, why can't you do that? Direct from my underwear? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could. Thanks to Jerry Lewis and the clip we played on top. You have the video playback. Steven Spielberg directed Jurassic Park 2 from Long Island in the Hamptons. <laughs> where they were, I don't know where the hell they were filming that movie, but it wasn't in the Hamptons. Right. It was somewhere else in the world. Right. And he was directing it from his backyard. That's funny you say that because, you know, my friend Joe, he like sets up avid. Is that the kid I was talking about? Yeah, that has yeah, the, yeah. The, that's the oh, guy. That's the that's kid. The guy, yeah. right. As I was sniffing and Joe has Lyme disease. And I used to say he's disgusting. He keeps sniffing. But now I do like I have Tourette's and I keep sniffing and like widening my nostrils. Like I was going to go to a doctor. I think it's like a what do you call it? OCD syndrome. I keep like sniffing when so I'm it's alone. Like, so, psychosomatic. It's totally, totally yeah. It's like weird. But uh, I was thinking of that kid Joe. We couldn't think of his name. Right, That's the kid. Yeah, right. What does he do? Well, he sets up editing systems, and he set up uh, for what Spielberg's new movie. He set up that they they were like the guys that did the editing for them, and so like the editor apparently this is weird or ridiculous, but what you're saying about him working from Long Island, the editor sits on a couch. He's some old guy. He's been with Spielberg forever, and then he's got two young assistants who sit in front of him who do all the actual work, and they like take turns. And he never he just sits from the couch the entire time. The and he editor just says yes or no. Yeah, and he's like I like that or whatever. That's pretty. Why yeah. not? Why not? No, I mean I get it. It's, right? it's still his movie. He I has guess. the final decision, and that makes him the editor. Just I, because you're doing it. I mean, it's, exactly. it's all changed now. Right. It used to be you had to have skill to be the editor. <laughs> exactly. You have to splice. I mean, I right. am around where I used to have to splice film. 
you know, for just Super 8 stuff. Right. And then when I went to college and just worked in video, you know, I was editing one-inch tapes and three-quarter-inch tapes. Yeah, they're hard. And, you know... Jesus Christ, things are so easy now. It's great. Remember when I bought that three-quarter inch yeah, machine for great. 50 goddamn dollars? <laughs> and 20 years ago, it was like $5,000. Yep. Yeah. And now it's completely obsolete, completely obsolete. We're so much so where I have all those three-quarter inch where they're going to go bad. Right. And I don't know what to do with them. It's too expensive to uh, turn over. But uh, yeah, Jerry Lewis died. The video playback, we played the clip up front just for no reason. That guy is a major dick. Yeah. Uh, nobody liked him, but <laughs> everybody respected him. I guess. Kind of. Right. right. He was a dick, but it's a fact that he was a forerunner. He did invent and patent the video playback. Um, right? I don't know. You yeah, You he, told me he, that. I don't no, think No, no, it's I, a fact. It's a fact. He patented it uh, when he was making, I, not The Nutty Professor, but uh, another movie before that. He patented the video playback where you could watch the video so you can see the scene you just did. Right. I can't believe they had that in the 60s. <laughs> right. And that's that's a big deal. Um, and you know what they've been talking about since he's been dead? I have it in the paper, and it's so funny. Th- that last interview where he was just such an asshole? To oh, that. no, not just that. Uh-huh. I mean, there's so many. You know, uh, <laughs> right. that night that he died, uh, you know, Antenna's been playing old Johnny Carson shows. So they immediately played the one with Jerry Lewis from 1984, Uh. where he was promoting nothing. You know, he wasn't (laughs) even promoting Hardly Working, which was like the worst movie ever made. And he went out and he goes, well, I understand everybody says I'm kind of not fun on here. So he came out doing the bits and he put the chopsticks out. Oh, sure. I got, you know, like that kind of stuff. (laughs) And I I don't know whether Johnny liked it or not, but they're talking about the day the the clown cried. Oh, yes. Which apparently the Smithsonian... No, has. it's not the Smithsonian. It's something else. It's, They're going to release it in like 2025 yeah, or something. Yeah, so 2025. It's the Library of Congress National Film Registry. I right. guess that is kind of the Smithsonian. Right, right, right. right. So 2025, they're allowed to release it. Now, the only person who's seen it is Harry Shear. <laughs> for some reason. Now, I've known this for a long time because Frank Santa Padre told me. Why would he be there? I don't know. Um Ranks him on the few had seen it. The closest I can come to describing the... Right. I know the reason of why he saw it, but I can't remember. The closest I can come to describing the effect is if you flew down to Tijuana and suddenly saw a painting on black velvet of Auschwitz. That's what he <laughs> says when he saw the film. That's, what I, that's the only thing I can describe. And, you know, it's a, it's a classic film that uh, Patton Oswalt and I believe David Cross have done readings of just the way I do The Godfather. Oh. Because I have the script. I read it. <laughs> Uh, somebody gave me a copy of the script. It could have been David Cross. And they would do it in L.A., readings of The Day the Clown Cried uh, with other comics. Right. And uh, so they, you know, people have read it, but nobody's seen it. I mean, here's a, a you know, some, a picture of him with the <laughs> right. clown makeup. Right. And if you don't know it, it's, you know, about a clown that, you know, is he and, and has to entertain the kids in a concentration camp and then walk them to the gas chambers. <laughs> now, why this guy thought this was a good move... Meanwhile, what they say is it's possible if he had released it, since it's exactly like a, a beautiful life. Yeah, life is sweet. Li- life is su- no, 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 no. Life is beautiful. Life is, life beautiful. is beautiful. Right. It's like Roberto that idiot Benini. Roberto Benini. Right. I was going to say it's that. It's yeah. possible, maybe not back then, but had he done it in a later time when a guy did do it and got all the accolades. Right. It's funny because there's a guy that just he just had to wait a couple. He was. He just waited. He was ahead of his time. No matter whether you like him or not, (laughs) and the kind of complete douchebag he was. Plus, um, 
you know, we've heard the people in uh, muscular dystrophy hated him. <laughs> like, like <laughs> obviously, he raised two billion dollars for them. I did the uh, Jerry that. Lewis spelling bee in first grade. I got first place. What was that? It was you had to do. It was a spelling bee, but then you had to, you know, you had to pledge money. You know, oh, for the telethon? Yeah, it, w- well, it was like an offshoot. It was a Jerry Lewis spelling. Well, game. me and, uh, you know, Attell had been talking about the telethon for years. Uh, I used to have a sleepovers, sleepovers with my friends, uh, you know, on telethon nights because it was the only thing that was on uh, 24 hours. Right. So, and, you know, this was my uh, favorite thing. I played all the time. The New Girl Scout Podcast, starring Memo Salazar. Good. Well, that's what they would have to think. I guess I, I just got the... Uh... Thank you, Jerry. No, thank you, Ed. <laughs> uh, I mean, those things were amazing, but uh, people just say what a dick he was. Also... People have been talking about that like he never got the... There's apparently a video of him and his father doing something together, singing a song, and his father was a dick. So he never got his father's approval because he said the only way you'll ever make it, even after he had all that success, was if you make it on Broadway. Meanwhile, he, uh, I was just reading that he was on Broadway in, this, in 1977 in a revival of Hell's a Poppin', a zany vaudeville review from 1938. Huh. But apparently he was such a dick <laughs> in 77, they closed the fucking show. Like, they wouldn't even open it because wow. he was such a dick. Lewis also disliked his uh, co-star uh, Lynn Redgrave, or was it Lynn Redgrave or that? Lynn Redgrave, the uh, anti-Semite, uh, probably that would make sense too. They had several numbers, to, or is it the other Redgrave that's the douchebag? Vanessa? That loves the, Vanessa know. Redgrave is the one that loves the uh, the Arabs or something like that. <laughs> Uh, they had several numbers together, but Lewis insisted they be cut. Out-of-town critics thought bizarre that the two leads had so little stage time that Lewis complained she was hogging the stage. I mean, this guy <laughs> was a mess and a half. Right. Meanwhile, I saw him on Broadway in Damn Yankees in the 90s, and they said he was good to work with then. And I saw the show, and he was terrific. He played Applegate the Devil. Huh. And uh, I went to see it because he was in it. Ironically, I remember now, it's coming back. Um, I took a date. She was from Yugoslavia. She was really pretty, and she wore a really short skirt, and I thanked her for that because I was friends with her sister, who I think used to work at that place, Caliban. And then her sister came to town who was thinner and prettier, and I'm like, I'm going to take your sister because I'm such a dick. I took her sister (laughs) to the show, and then I think we made out. It was hot, but I I took her to a Broadway show. Right. I mean, you know, that's what you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to get something for that. No, it's a transaction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jerry Lewis, uh, whatever. I don't get, I mean, uh, I'll be honest, I, you know, as a kid, even then, I just never found him funny. Like, he no, was nobody stupid. does. Did, no, he's horrible. So, like, I never found him funny. Did you ever find, when, in the 60s growing up, you never thought he was funny either? I never saw one of his movies in the 60s. I only knew him from the telethon. All those movies were made before I was born. Right, right. Um, when I, now, it's interesting because now I finally saw the Nutty Professor. I saw the Eddie Murphy one before I saw his version. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand what the deal with the Nutty Professor is. Now that I've seen the Nutty Professor, I've seen it in parts because it's kind of unwatchable. It's very slow right. and boring. It's completely fascinating. And I played that scene up front. Watching that scene is um, amazing. It is... It, it is really, if you can stick with it, it's, uh, it's a little creepy because he's a little older than that woman and everything and right. stuff. But uh, watching him 
turn into the thing without any special effects and without any makeup, kind of give him props for that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, he stinks. Um, his movies weren't funny, and it was always a debate of whether he was funny or not. Did the and French really find the, him funny? The, the French found him so funny, and, and that Johnny Carson thing in 1984, he, was, he just won the Congressional Medal of Honor for France. <laughs> they loved him. I thought I, that was like a like you know a joke. It was shade. no joke. Really That's what they were congratulating him on when I saw that particular Carson interview in right. 1984. Very fascinating. Um, He's, I saw, the, I mean, there's two movies that he was in that he was amazing and I will give him probably, you know, like oh, King, of, King comedy. of Comedy. Yeah, but, I, you know, not for being funny. No, for being an well, Yeah, for being an actor. He was perfect. Right. A great actor. Was he right. acting? No, exactly. Martin, I'm, I'm, I'm getting hot. <laughs> Are we finished, Martin? <laughs> exactly. And then he did one called Funny Bones in the early 90s. That was a horrible movie. Oh, see, I like Wasn't that movie. that Lee Evans was in that? Was that the no, British it was Oliver guy? Platt. Oh, oh, maybe. I don't know. So else. I met Lee Evans a couple of times. I think that was the British guy. I met him at Karen's. I think he was the same guy that was in something about Mary, but I'm not positive. Oh, and no. I remember he told me he was in Funny Bones with Jerry Lewis. And so I went to see it and I thought it was the worst movie I ever saw. <laughs> I liked it. Um, what else did I want to go over today? There was a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff I prepared. Um, one thing I wanted to. Uh, uh, well, first of all. Uh, I wanted to talk about Greece. Right. Uh, September 12th. I think I have everything all set. Memo, they've told me that there's only six microphone stands. I thought there were more. I don't remember. Here's my plan, and I'm going to tell you this later. I don't know if the audience is interested or not, but I'm going to have Matteo play Frenchie and Sonny. Okay. Because we don't have enough mic stands. Isn't okay. that pathetic? All right. Um, so now we got, I don't know if you know the cast. It's me. I'm going to play Danny. It's oh, okay. easier because I can't find anyone else who sings besides Matteo. Right. Uh, but having a gay guy play Danny isn't as funny as having a gay guy play Frenchie. Right. So uh, Judy Gold is playing Rizzo. Okay. Rachel is playing Marty and Cha-Cha de Gregorio. Uh, Russman Eve is playing Kanicki. And I think I can get somebody to play Duty. Uh, I think I'm just going to ask Lenny Marcus or somebody like it. You know who I want to get is that guy Joe Ma- Mackey. Joe Mackey, but um, he's always busy, so I don't know. You don't know who he is, but he would be amazing. Um, he doesn't sing either, so it's a little bit problematic. And I have that guy, Colin, who's the musician with Gnome. Uh-huh. Uh, what I want to do is get two lav mics, and I'll rent them mm-hmm. if I have to, and wire Colin with a lav mic so he can help sing. Okay. And wire Mateo with a lav mic so he can go back and forth. What do you think of that plan? Go back and forth. What do you mean? Go back and forth on the stage so he doesn't have to get to a mic. He can just go back from the boys' section to the girls' section when he's playing Frenchie in one and then when he's playing Sonny in the well, other. Oh, well, that's fine, but then you have six other mics to use on top yeah, of Yeah, I'm going to need them. For other people. Yeah. I see. No, I got like eight people. I you know, I'm trying to cut down, but it's just, I've cut Putsy and Jan out of the show because right. we don't need them. Wait, the, the, who's Olivia Newton-John? Oh, Bethel. I forgot to mention her, too. Bethel Carroll. Oh, Bethel's going to do her? Yeah, oh, I asked great. that um, girl to do it. But yeah, Bethel's great, so Should it'll be, be great. great. So everything's all set. September 12th, it's happening. I think we're rehearsing on September 11th. I was going to have a rooftop party in New Jersey on September 11th, but everybody told me that's not a great idea. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you. I get it. Um, folks, I'm here all week. <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't tell you. I opened for Artie. In Connecticut on Saturday night. Oh. I've already done this in the podcast. Foxwoods? No, uh, just at this place in Fairfield. It was really fun. And uh, it was so funny. All I did was um, I was talking about the fight. And, 
you know how um, uh, you know this, uh, this trash talking. Fox and press conferences are a completely different setup than we're used to. But um, twenty thousand people, it's it's mind blown. I'm absolutely honored to be here before you to give you this great spectacle. And somebody's O has got to go. He's in a fucking tracksuit. He can't even afford a suit anymore. He is fucked. There's no other way about it. His little legs, his little core, his little head. I'm gonna knock him out inside four rounds, mark my words. I ain't back down for no motherfucking body. You line him up and I knock him down like bowling pins. And August 26th, I'm gonna knock this bitch out too. Now, that is the, uh, I don't know if you know, but the Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather fight, it's this Saturday. I thought he was talking about you playing Rico Kasich. Shut up. Cars. Uh, now, I got to tell you this story. I, I didn't tell you this because I was waiting for the podcast. Now, you're, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. You're not going to believe it. Only this, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm about to tell you can only happen to your pal Dave Juskow. <laughs> Dave Juskow, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. It's not even a luck thing. This is just... This only happens to somebody like me. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you why I'm telling you this in a second and what it has to do with the fight. On Monday night, uh, and again, this is going to come out a week from uh, today. It's going to come out on Monday. So on last Monday, I, got a, I was at work. I work until 9. And I get a call from the producer of Crashing. Mm-hmm. Just the way I did last year at this time, with like two weeks to go in the shoot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. As you know, I am not in crashing this year. Mm -hmm. You know that, right? Right. And it's been very depressing. Right. Because last year was such a high. I get a call from the producer of Crashing. And he goes, Dave, uh, I'm in town for the next two weeks because we're shooting the final like week and a half. Right. And, uh, you know, Artie's doing it, everybody's doing it. And I'm like, I know, I know. And he's like, yeah, I'm in town. And listen, I am at uh, this restaurant Legends by the Empire State Building. And I forgot my wallet. Could you come down and pay for my meal? <laughs> I am not lying or exaggerating. The lead up to that being said was for sure I, they were going to give me something to do. Right. I knew they were doing a roast battle. I thought they came up with something for me. Right. He forgot his wallet. I mean, what, the last time we heard that, it was in Fast Times in Ridgemont. Hey, Rod, I found your wallet. Who, who, he's older than I am. Who forgets the wallet anymore? And he thought to call you of all people that he knows. I think I'm the only person he knows in Manhattan. And he knows I work on Fifth Avenue. I guess the only thing I can come up with, I'm like, fine. So then I pay for his meal. We're walking, I'm walking him back to his hotel, and he goes, oh, my God, I just found $200 in my pocket. I had it rolled up. I totally forgot. <laughs> and then he didn't pay me. He had $200 rolled up in a rubber band that his wife gave him before he left as if he was a child. And just, oh, here's some emergency money, you dope. He, he didn't. I don't, what, I don't get So the- to try and make it up, he wants to uh, watch the fight together. Oh. So that's what we're going to do. Like he's taking you to the Meanwhile, fight. Meanwhile, no, I got to pay TV? for the fight. He's coming over. I got to pay for the fight on TV. It's getting worse and worse by the minute. <laughs> he said he's going to take me out for dinner before, but I don't think there's any time. Um, 
I think me and Artie and him are going to watch the fight, but Artie's never going to show up. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. What a disaster. Who do you know that would ever happen to? For, I mean, who do you know? Let's just say it wasn't the producer of Crashing. Who, whoever calls you after the, the, you turn the age of 17 <laughs> that they forgot their wallet and they need you to come down and help them pay for you. Well, right, but that just brings up so many. I don't understand. So he pulls out the $200 bill. He yeah, it was goes, wrapped oh. up like you like you do coke right. through a uh, rolled right. up dollar bill. It was wrapped it. up in a rubber band. And yeah. then it, you don't say anything. He doesn't say it. Nobody says, hey, how, what a coincidence. I just paid for your meal. No, like that, that was it. Then what like, what you know did what? you say? I gotta though. get you back, you know. So maybe we should have dinner. <laughs> Whatever. I'm like, I don't want to see you again. Because then he goes, you know what we should do? We should hang out on the crashing set tomorrow. And I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. He's like, oh, you're mad because you're not. Yeah, you're damn right. I'm mad. You dumbass. What are you an idiot? Are you a fucking idiot? He's like, well, look, you got your chance. And I'm like, oh, shut up. A lot of comics want, shut up. Now you just really know. He goes, let me buy you a drink. I'm buying the drinks. He's like, do you want a shot? If I want a shot, I'll get a shot. I'm buying it. That's crazy. The producer. This is, this is Pete Holmes' manager. Right, right. Meanwhile, Rachel's like t- tweeting pictures of her on the set or whatever. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like everybody around. Everybody's you. on it. And I got to pay for this guy's meal. This would be like, this would be like Sarah calling me up like, hey. <laughs> it's the same thing. I mean, he's got plenty of money. He's producing a show. Right. He's got plenty of clients. I got to pay for his meal. That's it's supposed to be the other way around. He goes, he goes yeah, maybe I could, I could probably pay you back. It's a write-off. <laughs> probably. <laughs> he sounds like a dick. He, he, he's not a dick, but th- that was... A, that was I don't well, even know how to describe it. I mean, it. he's either incredibly stupid, in which case, how is he... Doing all this producing and managing. I think the thing is he's just always high. Oh well, maybe he he's was constantly high. high. Has he been Pete's manager? He's for never a while? helped me out before, like in the past. He's been a nice. Yeah, I think they've been manager. I think he's him and Judd Apatow used to work the door at the Improv. That's how he oh, fell wow. into this entire career. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. And I think he was the one that hooked Pete up with Judd Apatow. So right, I don't know. But isn't that the funniest story you've ever heard? That's. Crazy. So I was talking about the fight because we're talking about the fight and fight, whatever. And uh, when I say, you know, the press conference for that fight is really funny. They're like, I'm going to fuck this motherfucker. You know, it's all right. that kind of stuff. Right. And then they're like, what are you going to do with them? So this is what I was doing on Saturday on stage. It's like, you know, um, Connor, what are you going to do with the money? He's like, I'm going to buy a dildo and shove it up his mom's ass, you know. And then I was playing the I was doing the imitation of the press conference from Rocky Two. Apollo, Apollo, has been chosen for the rematch. This fight will be held in the Philadelphia Spectrum because I want this man's hometown to see this. I want all of Philadelphia, I want all of America, I want the whole world to see me destroy this man after two short rounds because after this fight, he's going to have to donate what's going to be left of his body to science, but there won't be much. That I can guarantee you. Rocky, 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 what do you think about the fight taking place in the Spectrum? Well, I'm very happy about that. Why? Well, it's only about 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> so it's a little more civilized than the last one we <laughs> right. saw. My favorite, though, is I, I was uh, doing, I just like doing the invitation. Like, right, what are you going to do with the money? Well, uh, I'm going to, I do this every week now because it's my favorite thing. To do. I'm, I'm going to buy some hats. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to buy Adrian like a gallon of perfume because she likes to smell good, you know. And then I'm going to get that frog. What's that frog? The uh, uh, Muppet frog. Uh, Kermit. I'm going to get uh, Kermit. Now you work for Sesame Street. I swear that's the. Uh, I get it. I got Paul, a snow cone maker. I think. I think I have it here. The money. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, the first thing I gotta do is I gotta pay the rent, you know. Oh, I forgot about that part. And then, well, I made this list on the way over. I was just thinking of things to do. I'd like to get a couple of hats and a motorcycle. Yeah, people and, thought I was uh, making it up. A couple quarts of perfume for Adrian. She likes to smell good. And uh, some Muppet toys, you know, Ernie and Big Bird and that, that frog. What's his name? Kermit or something? And, uh, yeah. Big. Uh, oh, yeah, Rocky. Hey, you know, hey, you need a manager. A manager, Rocky. Well, you don't know that? You're looking like you don't know. Well, I, I That's thought, from Rocky 1. I'm you know what you know? I didn't have a manager. A manager. If I had a manager, I could have made it to the top. You need a manager. I thought you were going to do your can't look ridiculous line. And a man in my position can't be made to look ridiculous without a manager. Exactly. You were right. Feels good. Anyway. So that's that. Boxing. So, so your prize, your consolation prize... Is that he's using you to watch the game? <laughs> That's he, right. Do you have to pay for that? I think so. The paper I have or whatever. One, yeah, I think so. I, I gotta pay because <laughs> I'll pay you back for it. How are you gonna pay me back for it? Because of my cable. How's that gonna work? He'll Venmo you. He doesn't money. have Venmo. Otherwise, he would have said, "I'll Venmo you the money." You know, he right. clearly doesn't even know how Venmo works. He could have said, "I could pay you the money. I could Venmo." Right. None of that happened. As a matter of fact, not only when I did that Fairfield gig, they told me, "Oh, what's your PayPal address?" And I told them what it was, and then. Um, I never got the money for that either. <laughs> and then I had to tell him, I was like, I, I don't want to say it. I mean, it's cool, you know, whatever. And, uh, but um, are you, are you going to pay pound the money? Uh, and, and then he just, like we were talking, he, like the owner of the club, he was like, hey, this is great, this is great. And then I never heard from him since. Huh. I don't know what the hell's going on. Huh. People are just, I guess, I, he told me he was going to, I would have done it for free. Right. He told me he was going to pay me, and then I think he shortchanged me. He told me he was going to be. I don't know. I the wrong money. The, the club owner or Artie? Club owner. Oh. That wasn't Artie's thing. Oh. I just put the thing together. Uh, anyway, when I was there at the thing, um, this guy, Gabriel uh, Burn. Oh, uh, Noel, came all the way down. He's a, he's a, 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 a fan, you know, a Twitter a listener, a listener of the podcast. Oh. And, and he came down from uh, four hours outside of Toronto to come down. What? And see the show. Wow. And then we hung out a little after. And it was so funny because I wasn't doing this on purpose. Like, I wonder if he's just like, is this guy doing a podcast all the time? Is it Because I was started talking about this show when I was growing up, just like I talk about Big John, Little John. Like, I, right. of course, I got to that. But I was talking about this show. I don't know why I was talking because it's, 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 it's a song that's in my head and I can't find it anywhere. And it was called McDuff the Talking Dog. And it was up on the same season with Big John, Little John. McDuff the Talking Dog. Nobody remembers it. In fact, so much so, as I have it here, the, the, the premise was, was, was this. Uh, it aired on 76, just like Big John, Little John, on the same network. The show centered on the ghost of a 100-year-old sheepdog who used to live in the home now owned by a veterinarian. Uh, McDuff could talk not only to the other animals, which he helped cure, <laughs> but also to Dr. Campbell. However, Dr. Campbell was the only person who could hear or see McDuff, which often led to wacky situations. Uh, now, here, none of uh, here's what here's what happened at the beginning of seventy six seventy seven. McDuff the Talking Dog was part of a three hour block of six live action shows aired on Saturday mornings on NBC alongside Land of the Lost, uh, Monster Squad. Which was the Wolfman? I remember you that. Know, you I do? remember Monster Squad. Big, yeah. How can you remember? I remember Monster old, Squad. Uh, I, Big was... John, Little John, the kids from Caper, and Muggsy. <laughs> I looked up the girl from Muggsy, and she was kind of hot. 
And uh, she's been on a couple of Friends episodes. She's kind of sexy. She grew up hot. None of the six shows returned for the... None of the six shows returned the next year, with McDuff being the first casualty. It was canceled only after two months after airing only 11 of the 13 episodes that had been produced. The original films were lost in a fire, making a release of this material impossible, <laughs> which is why I can't find the opening theme song. Huh. So I remember the opening theme song, which <laughs> went, because I used to, you know, that was my prime right. time for, right. even though I was probably even too old for it then. You think? But um, the show, I, I remember the theme so well, like in the music, and it went, half dog, half ghost, <laughs> I am the most what ed asner was singing no it was some this guy who had this voice i have a sample of it from when they were doing the previews of saturday morning with with robbie wrist it was um who's the guy that killed himself freddie prince uh because he was on chico none they demanded that he host a prime time thing of what's coming up new on saturday mornings on nbc right (coughs) sorry and they did it in a park in California somewhere. And they had all these idiots dancing around. It's the worst show. And just talking about the new season. And they had a lot. Of, so Robbie Rist was on it uh, <laughs> talking about Big John, Little John. Right. And they had McDuff, the dog, and his owner, the veterinarian, uh, talking about it. And I found that Southern clip. Pacific. Maybe you guys don't know it, but you'll be sharing Saturday morning. With McDuff, NBC's talking dog. That's he Freddie appears Prince. right after the cartoons. And How when miserable I say is he? Appears, I mean appears. Of course, only you kids at home and his young master veterinarian, Calvin Campbell, can see McDuff. Right, Calvin? Right, Freddie. <laughs> you know, it's uh, no easy job covering up for an invisible talking sheepdog. Sometimes I think he should have the veterinarian's license instead of me. Why, he can cure any animal just by talking to him. I have to work at it. That's McDuff, the talking dog. So you're the only one that can talk to the animals? There's a lot of things you can't do like me. Including disappearing. Okay. That's no way to speak to your family. He just turned invisible. Helena is supposed to donate $200 to its favorite charity. You hear that, girl? Yes. More on that later. Oh, but I'm not entered in the golf tournament. You're going to hit me with your backswing. Hold further away. Calvin is challenged to a golf match, and it's McDuff, the talking dog, to the rescue. <laughs> There's the theme again. It, this goes to red. Dun, dun, dun. Well, it sounds like Sanford. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a familiar tune but there. I remember it as a kid. Just hit the ball. I'll do the rest. McDuff, the talking dog, premieres tomorrow at 10, <laughs> 9 Central, 8.30 Pacific. You won't forget, will you? That's McDuff, the talking dog, starting tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, right here on NBC. And right after McDuff, you'll see <laughs> the Monster Squad. Monsters! <laughs> I remember Monster Squad. That one I get. Uh, so, what, did you have a question about McDuff? I had like 10 questions, but I think Go I ahead. forgot them. No, um, you saw every episode. You were the one fan? Yep. I see. Well, I watched any... Well, here, look. I have the... And there was also Land of the Lost, you're saying. I have the schedule right here from 1976. And as you know, I'm obsessed with these schedules. When I was a kid and the TV guide came out, uh-huh. I, I couldn't wait. Let alone, they had cartoon schedules and comic books 
of the Saturday morning I lineups. Those. Do you remember those? Yeah, I do. So they have the lineup. So in the fall of 76, <clears throat> the, the 1976, the lineup was, uh, you know, these are the three networks. And, and I would be up at 6 a.m. watching the Farm Report waiting for these <laughs> cartoons. Right. The ABC had th- that stupid Grape Ape show, which was horrible, <laughs> and the Mumbly show, who was... Uh, Jabberjaw at 9, yeah. the Scooby-Doo Dynamite Hour, the Croft Super Show, which was a mashup of yeah, every, all the, you know, Wonder Bug, Dr. Shrinker, right. Electro Woman, and Dyna Girl, and that went... An hour and a half. Right. Clearly, they had nothing. ABC <laughs> didn't even try. Almost anything goes on American Bandstand, right? So you'd sit there from 6 in the morning until 2 p.m. Right. after the CBS Children's Film Festival, <laughs> you know, was over. Right. CBS, uh, Sylvester and Tweety at 8, the Bugs Bunny Road out, Run Runner Hour, which is what we'd all watch right. at that time, Tarzan Lord of the Jungle, which was a bag of crap, then the Shazam Isis Hour, which, of course, I would normally watch even though that sucked. Was that the live-action Shazam? Live-action, yeah, yeah. that was good. It was not good, well, when you're but four, we watched it, it anyway. Good, right? Yeah, exactly. And Shazam was my favorite right. superhero. In fact, I just heard The Rock might play, I think, Black Adam, not Shazam, and I'm mad that they're making a Shazam movie because I wanted to do it. Then at 11 o'clock, David Tell's favorite show, Arc 2... <laughs> There was a, that's why we started bonding is uh, when we became friends. We're like, well, you remember Arc 2, right? <laughs> then the Clue Club, which was stupid. Then, of course, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Can't go wrong And then with the that. CBS Children's Film Festival at 1 o'clock. Now, NBC was the only one that really tried, and they did all... So in 76, they said, let's do a lot of live-action stuff. Right. So they had this block. So they had the Woody Woodpecker show at 8, the Pink Panther laugh and a half and a... This is what the show is called. It's an hour and a half. It's the all-new... This is what the show is called. It's the all-new Pink Panther laugh-and-a-half, half-hour-and-a-half introducing Mr. Jaw. That's what the show is called. Then at 10, McDuff the Talking Dog, Monster Squad, A Land of the Lost, Big John Little John, The Kids from Caper, and Muggsy. So Land of the Lost only lasted a year, but then it must have come back. No, no, Land of the Lost lasted four years. Right, okay. That was the only... That was already... uh, That was already... In its like, maybe it lasted three years, but that was already in its second season. Right, right. That was a hit. So those were the networks. Now, the way I would watch TV, since there was no DVR at that time, uh, was I would probably go. I think I went Grape Ape at eight a.m. I don't know. There was nothing else. It was either between that Sylvester and Tweety, which I didn't care for. I didn't care for that old lady, and the Woody Woodpecker. I hated him because he was an instigator. Yeah, he like was. They Woody say Woodpecker. on a Seinfeld. It's true. Then I'd definitely go at eight thirty with the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. That was a guarantee. I couldn't care for the Pink Panther or less, and definitely not Jabberjaw. So I definitely went Bugs Bunny Roadrunner right. for sure. And then at 9.30, it was just a disaster because I wasn't going Scooby-Doo. I never liked Scooby-Doo, and that's when I'd probably turn on the Pink Panther. And then at 10 o'clock, since the Shazam Isis Hour had already been in its second season, I went for McDuff. Right. I'm, never, I'm always going to watch a talking dog show. I guess you know me. So you never. That's why I got a black cat. Right. Because from Salem, from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I from Calico. I'm not. I'm arguing. always going to go with the talking dog. I, so. So I went with the talking dog and probably the Monster Squad, or I switched over to ISIS because she was kind of hot at that time. And but, then Land of the Lost, I probably watched Arc Two, but it was so boring. Right. Then definitely Big John, Little John, because you know we're obsessed with that show here. Then the stupid kids from Caper, because I was fed up with the Fat Albert show. How, this is, there's your racism coming around. How could you, how could you p- pass up 
Fat well, Albert. Because I watched enough of it. It was already on for like five uh, seasons already. I was done. Of, but by then and it was the Brown Hornet. Caper. It was by horrible. the fifth episode, you know, the Brown Hornet was a lay. You could, how would you wouldn't even Who was know? That? Mumble? The, what was that kid? Did he became the Brown Hornet? No, no. It was like a separate thing within it was are you the, sure you're not talking about the flip wilson cartoon with geraldine <laughs> no no that's what it was so meta it was like in the middle of the show they would run to the clubhouse to watch the brown hornet and then you were in the brown hornet Ooh, cartoon. i guess i kind of remember pretty that. brilliant i don't know i'd go back and forth because i was bored by that time or <laughs> the kids from caper these were all horrible shows but i'm always going to go with the talking dog so much show that i so much so that i will tell you that i almost adopted a dog this sunday just hoping it would talk? Well, I always have, you know, uh, things for that. But what I'm saying is I've been, you know, the doggy daycare center is right here. Right. So I've been talking to the manager. She wants me to adopt it. They have an adoption every week. Last week I saw a dog that was Sunday. I saw a dog that was perfect for me. She was black, cute, just looked like Selena, but it was a dog. It was a chow shepherd mix. I used to have a chow. And I thought about adopting it, but it's not time yet. But I want to, and I thought about it. It's too difficult, whatever. But all I ever remember is this scene from Porky Pig. Now, Ian, me and no nonsense. Ian, you sit there and don't move. I found your dog. Now, how about my 5,000 bucks? No, that's not our dog. Ours was a talking dog. Uh, it's the talking dog. Uh, yeah, that's silly. If he could talk, I'd keep him myself. Well, fat boy, <laughs> you got yourself a dog. One of the best lines in cartoon <laughs> history. I use it all the time. I couldn't figure out which uh, episode it was, but then I finally found it today. I've been waiting to find it for such a long time. Well, fat boy! I mean, I remember that so clearly. Uh, and I do it to a tell all the time. I'm like, well, all I've ever wanted was a talking dog. I, I could just picture my dog, you know, after we close the door. Like, well, fat boy, you got yourself a dog. Right. What's funnier than that line? Did they make great oh, it was the best. goddamn comedy lines do, back you then? Don't, you can't beat Looney Tunes. Uh, what I love about it is, like, I'll show it to kids now, you know, who are totally don't even know what Looney Tunes is, and they laugh right away. Yeah, like, it's still great, you, right? You it holds up. I remember can't. my brother-in-law was very good about teaching the kids because back then they did have, on Boomerang, they would have, well, they had June bugs. Right. So all of June, they would play Bugs Bunny. They don't really do it. Well, Boomerang still has it. Uh, so he turned the kids on to Bugs Bunny, right. which was great. Yeah. Of course, my other favorite line is... Um, that uh, the bunny, the one for the Bugs Bunny Hour, um, not the older ones. Those are the older ones, I think. Um, I think it's from 1950 or something. But the ones from the 70s, where it's the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde one. And they're like, Bunny, did you drink that potion? He goes, why? I've never been so insulted my whole life. Maybe I'll just go back to the park where my integrity won't be questioned. <laughs> I don't know why I always remember that line. With this lineup, it's so funny. All those shows got canceled. On NBC, they the in by the spring, right? They were like all canceled already, so they changed it to uh, instead of McDuff, Monster Squad, Land of the Lost, Big John, Little John, and the kids from Caper. They have Speed Buggy, Space Ghost, and Frankenstein Junior. And they and they kept Big John, Little John that that lasted a year and moved Land of the Lost to noon, and then that was pretty much on its way out. But I remembered those. So, I mean, you know, given what things. I know about you gambling, I can only assume that you spent, like, 
Saturday mornings with the TV guide in your hand, trying to like judge what would stressing be or not? what you should pick. No, no, oh, no, just yeah. just not knowing where you should like. Should I go to channel four? Should I go to channel five? It like, was one of those things where my mother and father would be like, "If you could put this much time into your schoolwork, <laughs> like I'd write down how I'm gonna right. work my Saturdays." Right. And I think I think it was the next year where I started having to go to bar mitzvahs, and I was furious <laughs> that you know I had to miss Saturday morning cartoons where right. all my other friends were like. What are you three? <laughs> and I'm like, no, but it. I see. I try not to tell anybody. I mean, I just. So, were, did you still watch uh, Saturday morning cartoons like in the '80s when you were like in high school and college? Or I guess by then you. I didn't but know but you then were. It, I did. I absolutely did, and that's how I started finding Saved by the Bell. Right in the '90s, you know, because right. I I was absolutely still right. waiting. F- I, I couldn't, you know, it's a, a, a creature of habit, right. and Saturday morning cartoons were the greatest, and. I've been miserable my entire existence. You know, I've been depressed and angry sure. and, and jealous that I wasn't on those shows, that I wasn't a kid star. Right. I wanted to be in those shows. I wanted to be on Big John, Little John. I wanted to be on McDuff. Right. And just so angry and depressed. But the only time I guess maybe I was happy was just watching those shows, but still angry <laughs> that I wasn't part of it. Always just very jealous. All I want that's all I wanted to do. I wish if we lived in California, maybe I could have been on some of those shows, you know? Right. Just really upset that I wasn't part of the shows and like I said, I would, you know, play the tape recorder on my paper route so like like I had a theme song or something from the shows. <laughs> um here's what I wanted to tell you. I'm so glad I didn't forget. Okay, McDuff. Um we went to that girl. I'm gonna just go back. No, you're disappearing. Okay. That's no way to speak to your family ghost. You mean you're supposed to donate $200 to its favorite charity. Oh, but I'm... Okay, that girl, right? So I'm watching the the video, and I'm like, oh, my God, that girl's so... Everybody knows that girl. You see a picture of her, you're like, oh, my God, she's been in everything, but I cannot place her. I cannot place who that girl is. And today, I was able to place her, and uh, this is who she is. Excuse me. I happen to be passing. I thought you might like some coffee. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Well, won't you sit down? Thank you. Cream? No, thank you. I take it black. Like my man. Did you know what it was? No, I have no idea. You have no idea what it was? No. You didn't know you see it coming? It's from Airplane. Oh, remember that little girl and the little boy? Yeah, yeah, black like my men. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a classic line. Right, okay. that's the little girl who's in Macduff. So wait, what did do you know who she grew up to be? Like, yeah, her name is um, Michelle Stacy. Uh, she really didn't. I don't think she did that. I, I did look it up, and uh, there wasn't that much on it. There was more on the girl who played Muggsy. Uh, <laughs> what, what, who cares? But um, yeah, she. Yeah, I don't think she did that much that we. I care see. about you know except that right, I, right or maybe i saw that and i'm like oh my god right i knew i recognized her from somewhere it's so funny um oh so listen to this um i you know i'm going out to la in a couple of weeks and i am really going to try and get robbie wrist on this podcast. i'm going to do a couple of podcasts out there Exciting. i'm really going to try and get robbie wrist on there and it's funny because if i you know because um uh uh, one of my uh, my friends and I I could call him a friend and a a listener uh, Steve Torelli has been really good about always including him in the uh, Twitter so we can get him and and Robbie Riss has written back and said I'd love to do the podcast but 
I don't know how to get in touch with him. Right. Um, we're not. He doesn't follow me, so I can't direct message him or whatever. So I right. got to go through some channels. I just texted somebody today who might know how to get in touch with him. Anyway, I'm like angry because that there is an IMDb and that there's ways because I really could have sat down with this guy and told him everything he's done without any of that information. <laughs> and now I feel like he's going to be like, well, he just looked it up online. Right. And I feel like it's not fair. <laughs> like, you know how like I used to be like a big birthday guy before Facebook? I would call, now you can't get any credit because you know when everybody's birthday right. is because it's on Facebook. Right. So it, it's kind of the same thing. I'm like, you know, I could be like, hey, do you remember when you were in the Bionic, Bionic Woman and she was ripping up the phone book and you were sitting there stunned? And he's like, how could you remember that? I'm like, yeah, I remember everything. Uh, so I don't know. I hope he uh, knows that we have integrity, that we completely are huge fans of him and the show. And uh, I was just speak into the microphone, please. Um, oh, uh, and and uh, then I really want I'm going to actually uh, try and I. Uh, I don't know whether I told you, but I'm, I'm going I'm to ask, uh, see if I can get the, the director of Fast Times Ridgemont High. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, I don't know how awesome. I'm going to get these people. I'm going to give it a try. And if I don't get them, I'll get somebody fun and cool and somebody who's specifically L.A.-based. And, um, I mean, that's fun, right? That's a good idea. So maybe we'll make a sense. couple podcasts. Hopefully that's the plan, everybody. So that should be uh, really fun. Uh, also, Memo, uh, you haven't been on the show in a while. Well, you have, but... I'm here. Uh I don't know whether you were here when I... Uh, lately, I want to ask this to all my guests. We have this uh, kind of conundrum, in a sense, of... It's a classic story when uh, Lawrence Lerman... When I called Lawrence Lerman because Roger Daltrey was down at the Sun Mountain Cafe and he came down with his girlfriend right. and, and, said, and he was in his pajamas or whatever and came right down. And I put out the question to everybody, is uh, who you would leave... What person would you leave what hero would you leave um a ridiculously uh, one night stand for <laughs> or something like i say right. if i'm if charlie steeran's here in my bed right and then i get a call that you know roger daltrey's down there am i leaving probably not roger daltrey at this point right uh, 15 years ago maybe uh but so the question <laughs> is who would i leave for right um, would I leave for like Tony Roberts, you know, like, or Woody Allen was the question. Like, would I leave if somebody called and said, dude, we're having dinner with Woody Allen. It's just the three of us, you know, you, me and him. Oh, and he's well, in that's a great a mood. Well, oh. that's what I'm saying. Right, right, right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, he's in a great mood. He just wants to talk. Yeah, I'd probably leave. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Do you have a person well, if you're that you about... would stay in, you know, that you would stay that's so hot that you <laughs> would want to, you know, maybe even maybe it's just cuddling. Who knows <laughs> that you're having an intimate day with that you might not get again. Who would you leave for? Um, and is it you know you're gonna have to think well, about it? But I mean, off the if, top you, of your if head. well, no, if you're saying like not just like oh, there's a sighting, let's come see. No, 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 it's an like, intimate, an intimate conversation. Dinner. Well, then there's like a million people. Well, I guess that's what I'm putting out. Well, okay, well, I started it with musicians, right? And but but the Roger Daltrey thing was intimate. It was an intimate at right. the Sun Mountain where he, you know, it's just a regular bar, right? And he's just joining some cover band to sing, right? Right. So, oh, Jesus, right? Yeah, so you no, love yeah. Like this Adrian Blue or whatever. <laughs> would you go if he was playing at an intimate club and then you can meet him after? Right. Yeah. No, he's great. Um, would you leave? I don't know who you would leave anybody. Some for, incredibly Kate hot Upton or something like that. No, I mean you. Well, yeah. who's your girl that you would you know if you had the free pass? I don't know, like celebrity. I you know I, I I can't even that part I can't even figure out actually it's harder for me to come up with the hot girl that I me would. too <laughs> I trouble with that too but I I don't know I just think like well here's one 
Would I leave Cheryl Crow to go meet Cheryl Crow? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I like thought maybe you might have one. Uh, right, right. I thought maybe you might have one offhand or something. Uh, but it's a it's a question. You know? Well, I mean, I mean, I you know any director, right? I mean, right. Woody. When you say Woody Allen, like sure, of course, Woody, or Terry Gilliam or whoever. Oh, David Terry Lynch Gilliam for you, right? Yeah, right. Be like, right. Of is course. he the one that died, or is he still no, alive? He's no, still alive. he's the Who's one. The one? Oh, Graham. Graham Chapman or something? Did he die? Somebody died. Oh, from, from the Python people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Graham Chapman died like oh, was right. like a long time a long ago. Time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was um, I made a list of uh, people in this day and age who are the top of the charts. Because uh, I don't think I'd leave for any of them. Oh, now right. I'm talking about like the the most successful like Kanye. Musicians. You're not gonna you're not gonna leave exactly for Kanye. right. The Chainsmokers, Drake. Migos, Ed Sheeran, Kendrick Lamar. I'm not leaving for any of right, them. Right, well, but we don't give a shit. We're well, not that's 20. It's so funny. So like, yeah. Bruno Mars, The Weeknd, Shawn Mendes, Future, and Maroon 5. I'm not leaving for right. any of these people. Right. And I can go on. I don't even know these people that are <laughs> I like here. how you print them all out but, in color. Well, I printed them all in color. And then in, in the 2011, <laughs> Rihanna, right. who's still... Uh, oh, no, that's, that's not... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Bruno Mars, Lil Wayne, Adele, Nicki Minaj, Katy Perry, but I still wouldn't leave. Right. Well, isn't it part of it Lady like Gaga. when you're older than them, it's kind of like harder to think that you would get so excited that you're going to run down and meet someone who's like well, half here's your one age from or 1995. Well, let's just say we're all the same age all right. or whatever. In 1995, would I leave for Hootie and the Blowfish? <laughs> <laughs> TLC. Or the Spin Doctors. Boys to Men. Brandy, Madonna, right? Maybe Madonna, maybe I guess. And uh, Notorious B.I.G. All the Cheryl Crow's in there. Um, Vanessa Williams. Well, she might be the one in the bed. Um, this is ninety-five. Here's eighty-five. If this happened in eighty-five, I'd leave for Freddie Mercury. Oh. I don't think he was still around in 85. Yeah, yeah, Was he? He didn't die till 92 or 91. You would leave to see him in an intimate setting or leave if there was a conversation and everything? I, if, if I could have dinner with Freddie Mercury, yeah, yeah, I think I would go. In 85 with Janet Jackson, but it's funny because these all the people who probably would leave for um, Prince. You know, Lionel Richie, even John Mellencamp, the Bangles. <laughs> um, Hart. Yeah. Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Maybe, well, you know... Whitney Houston. Would you leave if you were the in... The outfield? If you were... <laughs> <laughs> or the cutting crew. Would you leave for the cutting crew? If you um, were in bed with the Bangles, would you leave them to see some... No. To, no, I, I, no, I wouldn't. Uh, was Susanna Hoffs right. in her day? Exactly. Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. Um, in fact, I was... Um, I, well, you know what? I'll, I'll do something else for now. I had this thing about... Um, I found something interesting about Woody Allen's most frequent collaborators. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Like, um, like Alan the person Alda? he's used, the people he's used the most. Yeah. Right. Like, um, number one, well, it's not, I don't know whether it's in order, but number one, Mia Farrow, 13 movies. Yeah. She's done 13 movies. Yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. I guess. I don't know. I mean, that one would have been my number one. Diane I, Keaton has done eight. Right. Alan Alda. But how about this guy? Fred Melamed. I have oh, no idea. Who that, I don't he's know on who that seven is. movies. Who is he? I, I don't know. Huh. 
Tony Sirico, the one from The Sopranos, uh-huh. he's done seven Woody Allen movies. Huh. And you know him from uh, definitely Bullets Over Broadway, I remember, right. and one of the other ones. But he always plays the heavy, you know, right. whatever. Right. But he's done seven Woody Allen movies. Huh. Tony Darrow, who used to be, I think, a comedian, has done six. Again, an Italian guy. Judy Davis yeah. has done five. She's great. Uh Paul Herman, who I don't know, he's in Silver Lake. Pee Wee Herman. Uh, but it's not, though, I don't think. He's done five. Julie Kavner has done five. That makes sense. I remember her in those. Louise Lasser has done five. Yeah. I didn't know she did five. I thought she did much less. Huh. Uh, this guy, Dan Moron, I don't know who he is at all, and he's done five movies with him. Dan Moron? Moran, I don't know what oh. his name Tony Roberts has done five. Wow. You figured that, though. Tony Roberts, by the way, uh, he was on Gilbert's podcast. Now, I haven't gotten to the point I've been listening. I think they talk about me. I haven't gotten to the part yet, I think, later in the show because uh-huh. I, you know, I had a run-in with him and uh-huh. Frank Padre knows I know him and worship him and do the imitation. Right. So the part I've heard so far is how they came up uh, with the Max thing in Annie Hall. Oh. And apparently he came up with it. Apparently, they met during Play It Again Sam and became friendly and then I guess he was calling out Woody, Woody, like when they were out, like on the street. And he goes, I, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't call my name on the street. It makes me very uncomfortable. He goes, what should I call you? And he goes, I, I don't know. Just, you know, keep it low. And he goes, I'm going to call you Max. How about that? I'll just call you Max. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he called him on the phone. He goes, Max, it's, uh, it's Max. Whatever, like he called like a secretary. He goes, it's a Max on the phone for you? They just kept calling each other Max, and he put it into the Annie Hall script. Uh-huh. So it was Tony Roberts who came up with that. Uh, and funny. then he was talking about, it was really fascinating. He was talking about how he came up with the suit with the, are we driving to plutonium, Max? <laughs> he bought the suit at a costume store. It was supposed to be something else. And they hid it from him. And he said, let's do a take where I have that suit on. And they kept it in. <laughs> He's like, let's just do a funny take. Right. And we'll make him laugh. Right. And he just kept the straight face. And he, and he just came up. And he came up with the line, you know, are we driving through plutonium? <laughs> like, he just really quickly did it. Because they hadn't. He met, mentioned what the other line was, too. Right. So, oh, he's like, um, are, are we driving through bees? <laughs> Something like that. Right. But again, uh, old Tony Roberts doing, which was very Funny surprising. Guy. And then you say to yourself, that's impossible. But Woody Allen has been known for letting actors do what they want to do. So, yeah. Two classic, enough. legendary uh, comedy bits that uh, Tony Roberts responsible for. Very interesting. Uh, Wallace Shawn has done five. Yeah. David Odgen Stiers yeah, has done he's five. Always, five. I, he's always in those credits. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I remember him from the Curse of the Jade Scorpion because he played the villain. Oh, right. I remember he played the hypnotist. Right. Um, Diane Weist has only done five and yet won two Oscars. Right. Which is amazing. And then there's this other guy, whatever, Sam Watterson has done four. Yeah. Um, and some other people. Alan Alda's only done three. Wow. He seems so. There's a Mr. Meters Manhattan Murder and Everyone Says I Love You. Yeah. Right. He always seems. Danny Aiello has done three. Alec Baldwin has done three. Philip Bosco has done three. Um he likes using the same people twice. It's funny. Larry David has done three. Wait. Exactly. I did not know. Apparently, he was in Radio Days. Wow. He was in New York Stories in the Oedipus Rex one. Oh, weird. And whatever works, obviously. Right. I had no idea. I, I thought no that was idea fascinating. Either. Scarlett Johansson's only done three. I thought she did more. Hmm. Um, and then there's a bunch of jackasses. Jack Warden uh, did three. We know he was in Bullets Over Broadway. I didn't know he was in Mighty Aphrodite. 
Right. I think that's pretty cool. Michael Rappaport was in a few, two or three. Yeah, I think he was in like three, which is it. Yeah. Right. Or maybe he was just in two. Maybe two. Small he was in Small Time, time Crooks. Crooks. And I know he was in... Mighty Aphrodite. Mighty Aphrodite, because didn't he have the line, yeah, those Nazis were some tough motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. um, I always remember that line, because I'm like, oh my God, that's like hilarious and real fucked up at the same time. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about today is there's a book. I invited... Um, Jim Farber on the show is a music critic, the old music critic for the Daily News, you know, since uh, there's no newspapers anymore, so now he does freelance. Right. Uh, Rod Temperton. You know who that is? No. There's a book coming out on him on September 1st. Rod Temperton wrote uh, not just this, but um, this. He wrote this song? He wrote this song. He okay. wrote it himself. Wait, what was the other one you said? Not just this. I'm gonna tell you. Oh, wow. It's just one of the songs. He's dead now, but so they're writing a book on him. Girl. Um, yeah. So he wrote that song. He. So he wrote. Here's the how they found him. How Quincy Jones found him, which is so funny. I think I think he was a white guy, white British guy. Huh. But he wrote this one. See if you can get see this coming. I remember this as a kid. I fucking hated it, but you'll never see it coming from the opening. No. Well, you'll know it once you hear it, I guess. And this is the song he wrote that Quincy Jones was like, you know who would be perfect? that but it sounds very much like an off the wall song right so obvious now right. but it's funny he is nothing against you know michael jack michael jackson's the shit i mean he's definitely the shit right i mean right. he was way cool i mean he wasn't cool but his music yeah yeah amazing. yeah this guy is so funny so he wrote off the wall and he wrote uh like a uh, i have it here actually he wrote for off the wall he wrote um Rock With You, he wrote Off the Wall, which I actually have here. It's so funny, because you always forget, like, he wrote the goddamn title track, and sometimes you forget that you know this song, because I can't picture Off the Wall when I hear it, and then when you hear it, you know it instantly. Right. Which kind of sounds like Boogie Nights. Right. But what a groove, you know? It's like amazing. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's all Quincy Jones, too, but... Right. I mean, you definitely know this one. I mean, you know. It sounds like boogie nights, with the boogie nights are always the best in town. And just enjoy yourself. 
fascinating, right? And then he um, on that same album, he wrote three songs. Then he wrote "Burn This Disco Out," which isn't that great a song, but I believe they named the documentary of the making of "Off the Wall" called "Burn This Disco Out." So not only did they name the the title track from the album from the one that he wrote, but they also named this documentary from the track that he wrote, even right. though it's about Michael Jackson. I find that completely fascinating. It's a this good guy. album, that "Off the Wall," and there's also the Paul McCartney song. No, on no, it. no, that's. Is that does he also have one on off the wall? Or are you talking yeah. about the one from Thriller? No, he is? he covered Girlfriend, which is a McCartney song, because he liked. Oh, it he so covered much. it, not with Paul McCartney. No, no, no. He just decided right, right, right. he wanted to record it, <clears throat> which is so funny because he completely dicked over Paul McCartney <laughs> in the end. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny with so he wrote Thriller, mm-hmm. like Thriller, right. wrote Thriller, you know the song. Yeah, yeah, he wrote that one too. So again. Michael Jackson named his song the title track, right. which is so funny. But um, they say how he wrote the uh, Vincent Price part. It's, uh, the book is called The Invisible Man, which makes so much sense. Right. Uh, and he was completely, he made a fortune, maybe even had an island, but he was completely reclusive. Didn't want any of the credit, didn't want any of the fame, just huh. you know, the money. So they say um, that this guy, uh, Pittman, who wrote the book, did all this research and... Um, they suggested Elvira to do the Vincent Price part. Uh-huh. Um, but Quincy Jones suggested Vincent Price because he was friends with his wife. Oh. I always find this stuff completely <laughs> fascinating. And um, where they, they show how he writes, uh, how he wrote the, uh, he was in his, he was driving to the set or to the production. They, he didn't have it written yet. You know, the darkness falls. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He wrote it like in the car on the way there, the, and he saw Vincent Price's limo outside already ready to record, and he's like, oh, go around the back, i got to finish this, and then I'm going to pretend like it's already written, and he put it on the music stand before Vincent Price got into the actual <laughs> studio, uh-huh. so it looked like it was like, yeah, yeah, we've had it waiting for you, <laughs> uh, which is great because um, I actually have this footage. Where is it? Because it's awesome. Here it is. Listen to this. This is crazy. Okay, tape rolling. Anytime you want. Hi, this is Michael Jackson. It sounds like me this doing the imitation. <laughs> Michael Jackson is the thriller. The thriller. <laughs> Do we both say it? Say it together. I say inviting you to. All right. Yeah. It's a lot of reverb. Anytime, tape rolling. I guess that's Hi, Vincent. this is Michael Jackson. And this is Vincent Price inviting you to the, the thriller. <laughs> Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down, must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. And there's a verse I think they might have cut. The demons squeal in sheer delight. Hmm. It's you they spy, so plump, so right. For though the groove is hard to beat, Yet still you stand with frozen feet. You try to run, you try to scream, but no more sun you'll ever see. For evil reaches from the crypt to crush you in its icy grip. I think that's the one they used. He only did it twice. 
the foulest stenches in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and grisly ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can resist the evil of the thriller. Can you dig it? <laughs> <laughs> He's good. <laughs> it's great fun. <laughs> great danger. Cut. Okay. Isn't that awesome? All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like how you can hear the song bleeding through his headphones. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting, too. Yeah, you can hear it through the headphones. It's so cool. Um, yeah, I heard he did it in two takes, wow. and that's probably the one they used. I mean, it sounds yeah. just like the yeah, one. Yeah. He was such a pro. Sound amazing, and it's just so funny. Ah, ha, 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 ha. All right, then we got it. Oh, what, what, <laughs> like it's, I, you know, I love when they change right, their voices. Right. Um, and that guy wrote all that in the car on the way there. Wow, he was good. Uh, neighborhood doesn't rhyme with blood, though. I, gotta... I didn't write it. What are you what picking that? on me for? Anyway, this guy, this guy wrote also three songs on Thriller. So he wrote Thriller, and then he wrote. It's so interesting because he wrote the ones that weren't released. Like he, it's funny. Like Michael Jackson's that good. Right. That this guy was really good too. So Thriller was the only one that Rod Tepperton wrote. The other ones just weren't released as singles. But you know them because the album is so popular. You'd always have the album on all the time. Wait, they weren't released as singles, but they were on the album. Yeah. Oh, there I was see. two every that album. Yeah. As we know, which is the greatest album of all time, selling wise. Right. Um, and we know because we were alive how unbelievably powerful it is and it'll never happen again ever because they just don't make albums like that right. anymore i mean they just don't make albums right and they don't release singles and it's just the way it works so so it'll stand forever um but you remember growing up that they just kept releasing singles after yeah. singles so the way it went was like they released the girl is mine with paul mccartney in, in october of 82 before the album came out right then in january of 83 they released billy jean that's like a that's a couple months after. And that's still the album hadn't come out yet. Well, I think by then it did, didn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when it actually came out, but I know it came out in 83. Right. Assuming it must have come out by then. I mean, it's like, when are you going to put it out? <laughs> um, then Beat It came out in February. That was a month later. Then in March, they released Want to Be Starting Something. Then in, I'm sorry, in May, in May. So from February... To May, they didn't. Re they released "Want to Be Certain." Some then in July, they released "Human Nature." Uh -huh. the, the whole they waited. I guess they made it last a whole year. Right, right. In September, so now the album's been out a year. The, uh, the first single was released a year in October. They released "Pyt," right, and not until January of '84 <laughs> do they release "Thriller." <laughs> I didn't even know that. I didn't know that either. The other ones, there's only two other songs in the album because it was one of those things where like, are they going to release every song, you know, to play on the air, play the radio and all that and releases maybe even a 45. I don't right. even know they were doing that back then. These are the two songs he wrote. They didn't even release. You still know them, but they're not as, they're not as good as the others, but they totally could have been released, but he had, they had, that's how strong the album was. Right. Like these songs are pretty good. Not so much this one, but the other one. This is called The Lady in My Life. Yeah. It's a good song. 
Yeah, it's okay. But, you know, it's not... It, that's how strong the goddamn album was. Because no Human Nature and PYT are amazing slow songs. You yeah. know, like, or not slower, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, no, it's They're true. really good. And he didn't even... You know, Michael Jackson wrote those. Just put your trust in James Ingram wrote for PYT, it says. Oh, it looks like Michael Jackson did not write Human Nature. Yeah, right? When it comes in, you definitely know it. And it is good. You're right. There's no reason this couldn't have been. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. they hadn't released a year of albums right. of songs. Right. Yeah, because when it gets to the chorus, it's kind of great. If you totally remember it. But I, I'm having trouble. So you're saying the album had been out a year and then Thriller came That's out? But it says here they released Thriller officially on January 23rd, 1984. But when did the record come out? Because maybe the record didn't come out till the end of the '83 or something. I mean, it, it had to crazy, have come out by the time Billy Jean was there. I guess, but I'm gonna check right now. That's really crazy. It's good stuff, Michael. Well, here, well, all right, hold on. November 30th, 1982. Wow. That's so weird. Don't you think of it as a 1983 album? Yeah. So I guess so. The Girl Is Mine released in October. They released it November 30th of 82. And Thriller didn't come out until 84. That's crazy. That's something else. That's unbelievable. The National Broadcast TV premiere. Here, wait, wait. They, let's do the. Yeah, that's good. That's The national broadcast TV premiere of the Thriller album's first video, pretty. Oh, that's okay. I wanted to see one. The Thriller TV special was hosted by Thriller video co-star Vincent Price. But it doesn't have a date. Yeah, it says Billie Jean came out during Halloween in '84. That's why it's weird that they put out Thriller yeah. in January of '84. But I guess. Kind of weird not to coincide it with October. Maybe they didn't think that would be a hit because I guess. But they well, it is kind of weird because if you listen to that song, and I don't want to play it right now, but it's a strange song that they probably never thought would be a hit because well, it's, it's almost like a Broadway song. Yeah, it's not much of a song for the radio. It was yeah. the music video that made but it. But that's how powerful again the uh, yeah the music video made it. But that's how powerful the album was right. that they could make anything a song. Here's the other one that Rod Temperton. Um, made that was never released which was called I think Baby Be Mine Darling, let me 
But it's so funny. It's like it's like this guy just this is the kind of beats I guess he made. But right. I, right. I don't know where he found this sound from, but I guess technically Michael Jackson ripped it off. Did he write "Blame It on the Boogie" too? Is that in Boogie Nights? No, that was a Jackson Five hit. No, he didn't have anything to do with the Jacksons until Off the Wall. Oh wow! Quincy Jones asked him to help with Off the Wall. Oh wow! Yeah. So a fascinating dude who just didn't want to be in the spotlight. And the book's coming out on September first. I mean, that's something I that there's an author I'd love to talk. Yeah, to. Yeah, then you know, it sounds but. like a movie will be forthcoming. No, probably not. I don't think anybody cares except you and me. I don't know. It's a great story. It is a good story. Uh, one last thing before we go. I don't know whether you heard, but the Village Voice um, is gone. They're just going online. Does that bother you? Because you remember <laughs> the free papers? You remember the, what was that other one that you were in? Oh, the, the, the legendary story, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Memo Salazar had this well, woman who was like a Sarah Jessica Parker sex columnist true. who wrote for this free paper, which back then was popular in New York. You know, you had the Village Voice and you had this New York Press. New York Press. Did you say that already? Yeah. Yeah, the New York Press. And you can get them in the thing. And everybody used to take one. Right. And it was very, very popular back in the... 80s and 90s. Basically. Was it the 90s? Well, no, but the, when did that was, thing happen to you? That oh, was the 2000s, was, This right? was 2007. But, oh, it was 2007? Right. That was yeah. the, like the end oh, of the run. Oh, I'll never forget. Memo came to my <laughs> apartment right here on this table that <laughs> we are true. doing this podcast, threw the paper in my face <laughs> and said, read it and weep, and I could not believe my eyes. There was a woman who wrote a story, a sexual story, about hot. her and Memo called the guy with the funny name. <laughs> Yeah. Guy, the strange he has name. a funny name. He has a funny name. Right. That's who she referred to. And it, I'm telling you, it was like a Sarah Jessica Parker uh, person. I don't remember her name. Uh, I'm sure we could say she wouldn't care because she put it out Stephanie. under her name. Stephanie something. Yeah. And Memo had this crazy sex with this girl uh, was that good. was depicted in this paper. And the best is the s- second or third article, like the second one. She was cheating on Memo, and then anyway, the she was third, polyamorous. The, the, the best, so. right, right, I know. But the best was that <laughs> Memo was picking up the paper the next week and like, what the hell is this? She's cheating on me. I'll kill her. And then the third that one, they had sex again in the park. And the best story is, yeah, he just uh, he put, put, took me. I mean, I'm you know right. cutting it down, but he took me in the park. And, and took me from behind. <laughs> right. We were up against the tree. Took me from behind. And the best part is, we're all reading the story. I'm talking about all the comics too, like <laughs> Rachel and Danny Vermont. We, we all had right. papers like we were in the 1930s, <laughs> That's true. and we were just reading like like at the end of Author Author when they're reading the reviews for right. all, for whatever that play uh, English with Tears when uh, Al Pacino's doing, and they're reading the paper at the end. We're all sitting there with copies of the paper reading. And this one had memories like, he took me from behind and he made love to me. And, and Matt was like, that's not what happened. Um, I, I turned around and said, look at the moon and her pants were down. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she was already in, in position. Oh, it was the best. And it's like, that's the first thing I thought of when I found out that the village uh, <laughs> voice was going under. I'm like, I, for, I remembered that story so well. That was like the funniest like three, four weeks. It was where a, she just kept writing about yeah. you. And then you're you're such a funny guy. Um, you were dating this girl, and you met this other girl, and you felt you're you're a kind person, and you're like, no, I have to tell her that I need to break up with her before I go out with this girl who you ended up marrying. Right. Um, and I'm like, man, well, I, I I really don't get the feeling this is the kind of girl you got to tell ahead of time. <laughs> He's like, no, that's the way I work. And I'm like, I I, I gotta say for reading the articles, I really don't think she's gonna. <laughs> But uh, you did the right thing because you're a manly man. Well, and remember, Rachel 
was saying, I remember Rachel suggested that I break up while I was inside her. (laughs) 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 I totally remember that too. Oh my God. That was so funny. Rachel is really funny. She is really funny. And we've been friends with such a long time. That was so long. That was 2007. I know it's crazy. 2007. Literally this like, Ten years to this month. Yeah, and is, there were free papers back then, and now nobody true. cares. They had all those. Well, you know, the Voice did it to themselves. Like they, they gutted. Like they, all they got rid of all their good writer. Like it just turned into yeah, a shitty yeah. paper. So yeah, what, what happened to the do? New York Press? When did that go? I guess when the I internet think, like, came out. I think and, the, like right after the sex columnist thing. Like yeah, it didn't last well, much did you ever hear from that girl? You ever know what happened? Did she write any books? Well, or remember anything? she she wrote that screenplay based on uh well based on don't you remember like she invited me to that reading that script reading oh that's right the day we both had your friend saw me eating a sandwich on the street oh that was that day when (laughs) ron saw you eating oh right we so we've both had plays or films written about us i guess so yeah because remember i had that play written about um (laughs) right you know taking place at the bar and then you know the guy turned out to be a flaming homosexual (laughs) right remember that one right (laughs) yeah it's based on you and i'm like what (laughs) the fuck is that supposed to be like i've seen the show and he goes hey everybody So look at us. Uh, that's that. That's the. That's what we do to the ladies. Go, that's guess. what we do to the ladies. Everybody. I don't know. Anyway, everybody. Uh, Memo. Thank you for coming. On oh, it's good. Uh, I appreciate. I it. I always miss you. I always want you to be here, but you were out of town, so there's nothing we can do. I'm sorry I missed your birthday. It was really sad. Oh, uh, that's me. all right. As long as you're here for Greece, are you going to be able to get out of work early? Because we're going to need help with this one. I think. Or maybe what's, not. What's the date? The September 11th. September 12th. September 12th. Well, right. we're going to practice on September 11th. I think we're going to go through some of the music. You don't need to be there for that, but right. I don't know. Maybe you don't need to be there early because, but I mean, I guess there'll be some sound effects, but we worked it out last time, I guess. So all right. it'll be all right because the musicians are where we really got to practice. So maybe it won't be that bad. I know you got to work and everything and you have a family to support. No, I, I will get out early just for you. Uh, we also have the date for uh, Love Actually. It's December <laughs> 19th, but I got to say, the more I think about it, I don't know how I'm going to do this one. I, that's a tough one. Yeah, that sounds... And I can't find one comic that does a British accent, so I don't Hello. know. Yeah, maybe I should change it. I don't know. I can't decide, but that's the plan for now. We'll concentrate on Greece for the moment. We'll see what happens. You should and, do Mr. Uh, Magoo again. People love it. Yeah, I don't Yeah, We already did it, so yeah, I don't know. It I wasn't guess. that great. It was okay, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. We just want to try something different all the time until we get back to the mafia stuff. So, right. marching, goodfellas, whatever. Anyway, uh, folks, so the plan is uh, this one will come out Monday uh, before Labor Day, and so that's why it'll be okay to put it out, and then it'll be Labor Day, and then I'll do a Wednesday one. Maybe you'll come back next week, um, because I always like to have you on before we do the the grease or the whatever the thing is. Right. Maybe. uh, Otherwise, we'll have one. Then we'll have the one the day after the grease, so I can tell you how it went and, you know, uh, make fun of all the actors. And then we'll play the show Grease the week after that. And then we might be off because I'll be in L.A., but I will make up for it in full by playing you the podcast we are going to do in Los Angeles. So that is our plan for the month of September and football season. season. I'm not even going to be able to get wings until October. Wow. I can't go Monday the 11th because i got to save my voice for Grease. The next weekend is a Giants tailgate. The weekend after that, I'll be in L.A. Wow. So I will not be able to get wings until October, which wow. is probably best. It might be. You'll yes. fit on the plane. You've seen my stomach. Exactly. So anyway, Memo, thank you so much. Welcome back thank home. You. I'm so yeah. glad you're back. And thank you for doing the podcast. Oh, you know, it is because of Memo that I actually had that cat in the first place. Oh, uh, it's true. It's so funny. And Mariam. 
Yeah, right, Marian. right, right. And you, you were like, would you be interested in having a cat? And I'm like, grow up. <laughs> and then I met the cat, and the cat turned over on its back for me, and I was like, no, well, so seems like we're symbiotic. And yeah, then I got the cat. You bought her over my house the first time. Remember, That's I right. was here, and I'm like, but we could share the cat. We could share the cat. I was afraid <laughs> to have a cat. Right. And then I wouldn't let anybody touch her after like a week. I'm like, no, I'm in love with this cat. Right, right. And after that, so. Uh, yeah, it's all your fault. I know. We had a good run. Yeah, it's all your fault. But uh, whatever. But I it's appreciate good. it. I uh, can't wait till uh, the dog. Are you really going to get a dog? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking There's about it. There's a lot of walking. Lonely. Who's going to walk the dog all the time? This will be great to get me out of the goddamn house. You know how I stay in there, and I'll be forced to get out. I know, but it's a lot more uh, paying attention than a cat. I know. Well, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to think about it. I'll see what happens. Like I said, I think I need a human companion first, so we'll yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> And then we'll take it from there, and that's going to be the story. You get a, a Syrian refugee. Well, that, I don't. A Syrian's probably not good for me, but a <laughs> different kind of refugee. Somebody that's not that anti-Semitic, maybe, right. would be the way to go. Although I'm pretty sure all refugees are pretty anti-Semitic. So uh, it's kind of funny. They come here and they'd be like, "No, we love America," but then like, "Not Jewish Americans, <laughs> but uh, you know, Americans." But you know, why shouldn't I be worried? Anti-Semitism is raging and rampant, and otherwise, I'd have nothing to complain about. So maybe it's sure. best that it's happening. So. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Dave Jessica podcast. Thank you for being a friend and uh, and, and and somebody to, that I can uh, I can cry to and talk to when uh, there's problems. And we've been through the good times and the bad times. And there'll be plenty more good times to come, and hopefully not too many bad times. So, good night, everybody, and we will see you after Labor Day. Everybody, have a great holiday. All right. We'll see you then. Bye, Mama. <laughs> <laughs>